Hey everybody, Chad here. Uh, I happen to know that Mike Cronin's stories this week are funny and they are good because I refused to do an intro before he proved himself. So get ready for Cronin and some actual funny stories to come out of his mouth. I can't wait for you to hear it because I know I've been teasing him. I know it's been a long time and we've just been doing this little bit, but uh, it will be good. Thanks to everybody that came to the Fargo show. Thank you for following the rules. Thank you for being respectful to the staff. Always appreciated. And, um, you know, thanks for letting me <laughs> kind of go all over the place and try to work out my album that I'm going to be recording March 5th and 6th at Acme Comedy Company. Uh, I'm going to be there third through the sixth. There might be tickets on the third left. I'm not sure because I am unprepared for this because I was just spent all my time worrying about Cronin being able to tell good stories, but he did it. So it's great. Just so you know, I have talked to Cy. Things are uh, seem to be looking up and I think that's wonderful. Uh, thank you guys for continuing to listen. I know <clears throat> that this is not the podcast you fell in love with. I know that, but... You know, I think that you being introduced to people that I think are very funny, I think that that's, that's good and it's, it's better than, you know, silence. I think it's better than saying, hey, we'll be back in two months because uh, I just do. And thank you for continuing to listen because this is my creative outlet. It is. People ask me all the time, like, you've been writing? No, I haven't. I've been doing a podcast and uh, just listening to funny stories from my friends and laughing and it's keeping me sane. So I appreciate you continuing to tune in. And uh, hey, enjoy Mike Cronin. Hey, everybody, this is Chad Daniels, and you have landed in the middle of somewhere. Hello, I'm back again single-handedly keeping this fucking show afloat save your comments i get it you miss sigh but how about a little thank you chad how about a little without you this show would shit the bed how about chad thank you for drinking milk when you were younger so your bones don't suck my dick how about something like that that's more positive it's 2021 i thought we were moving out of that stuff I thought we were moving into positivity. That's what I was told. That's what everyone told me. Um, Mike Cronin, great stories, didn't push record. Unbelievable. He murders, I'm dying, my side still hurts, didn't push record. Real cool, bruh. But guess what? I don't care about any of that because I have what's going to be one of my favorite guests. I always have fun with this person when I'm with them. Um, so, so funny, you know, pulling, pulling Letterman spots from Chicago. Unbelievable. Um, he has a new special out. It's on Amazon and Peacock and probably other places. I'll ask him, but it's called when's mom going to be home. Also has a, an album called sounds good. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Pat McGann. Chad, what's up, man? How are you? Sorry about that rant. I just, no, what a I nice through- intro. I go, I go through Twitter and everybody's like, what about Cy? And it's like, listen. How is Cy are, doing? I, I know he's... Um... Cy is... Uh, so here's, here's the deal. He, uh, he finally figured out what's been happening with his back. 
And it is it is a real pain. So when I bitch and moan about it, I'm obviously kidding because he's he's a great friend. Right. And I, I do care about him. But, um, you know, I'm also like mine hurts, too, from carrying this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, I pretend to be all pissed off and whatever, but it's just fun to see right. how people react to it. Because I said something. I don't know. You have a podcast. Yeah, I do it with Jim Flanagan. Yep. And what I um, what I have found recently is that when you bring up something and and make someone upset on your podcast, that's another way to get listeners because they don't like you, but they will listen to see if you continue to talk about them. <laughs> right. And that's just extra downloads, right? That's those are that's a way to build numbers. We're talking to you, Cronin. <laughs> Um, I got to tell this story. So we've been friends for a very long time, but we saw each other in Montreal and there's a, um, everyone stays at the same hotel, the Montreal comedy festival, and everybody's at this thing and having a good time. And we're all, we're all going to do different shows, but then we always seem to either pass each other by the elevators or meet each other in the, in the bar. And you came, uh, from, I believe it was Jeff Dunham Gala. Yes. Right. Where basically Dunham hosts the show and then brings out people and then and then it's aired on uh, Canadian television. Yeah. And you came up to me and said, <laughs> you ate shit so badly. <laughs> and I could not get enough of it because I can't. I mean, listen, I, everyone hates when I compliment the guests, but I can't imagine you eating shit. I mean, you're, oh, I you did really that night. Are, you are so funny. And so. Then you and I had a show together. I was hosting and it was, um, I think it's called the Eagle's Nest. And it was yes. like in a big, it was yes. a big mall. So the mall was closed and you had to go up into this club. And I said, so my intro to you. You were hosting it. Yeah, I'm, I'm hosting. You, you were hosting it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I say, um, hey, everybody, this next guy probably ruined a couple careers tonight because or ruined some careers this weekend. Because everyone had their hopes on their gala airing, but he ate shit so hard they're canceling the whole thing and they're not even going post-production with it. And then I, I called you up, Pat McGann, and everyone's like clapping, like looking around like, that's the shittiest <laughs> intro I've ever heard. And then you walk on stage and you go, hey, everybody, Chad Daniels, aren't his kids funny? <laughs> oh, and I fold, because I had just been taught, my whole set was about my kids, of course. And I was, I folded over in the middle of the room because I could not make it all the way back and out of people's sight line. I was laughing so hard at that. I think it's probably the biggest fear I have that uh, people will say about me after I... <laughs> it's like, let me use this before it's used on me. No, oh, I, I remember the, uh, going to the bar and you... You're probably like the best person for me to run into. And you were like not having it. Like, just who cares if you ate shit? Have a drink. And you, like, bought me a drink. And then <laughs> off we went. Yeah, I mean, the Montreal Comedy Festival, it's great. It's fun. I'm not shitting on it. I've just never done well there. I mean. Yeah, but do you know when you're, like, feeling, you never feel like, or I don't ever feel like I'm going to, like, kill it. But I might do okay. Like right. I was, I felt like really ready for that night. And then it's like, when you know it's being taped, then you eat shit. 
<laughs> yeah, I just here's what I think about about it. I think that it's a lot of industry people, right? A lot of people are going there to sign clients or give deals or whatever. Because if you watch Hedberg's gala from the year he signed a five hundred thousand dollar deal with Fox, I mean, it's Hedberg and it's really funny. But the crowd is still half on board with some of the stuff. Yeah, right. And then you see, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but there was one time. I just screamed at the crowd because they weren't laughing at anything anyone was doing. But before I saw people leave line to go chase someone with a huge paper mache head and they were <laughs> laughing at that. And it's like, well, then don't come to comedy if that's what you like. Right. Go buy balloons. I would make each other laugh. I would have felt better. But after my set, I was like, man, this crowd is terrible. And then after my set, Brad Williams went out there. And again, Dunham's hosting. And I think he opens with like, Hey, I just escaped from a suitcase in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could not have been like a better uh, a better set. It For was, those of you that don't know Brad Williams, he is shorter than most comedians, and yes. that's why that's funny. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, well, great. How how have things been going since uh, since the lockdown? I mean, you do this thing where you surprise your kids with a comedy show. At least you were doing. That. I was until I realized <laughs> our life was over. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because what would <laughs> you would have a mic and you'd be like holding your phone off and doing the the kind of the, the selfie view, but you go, "All right, everybody, it's time for a little stand up and. and your kids would be like, Dad. <laughs> they really would have like a visceral reaction. Like they would get so pissed when I would interrupt them, like turn it off and they would scream. And yeah, I did that for a while, like the first couple months. And then I really kind of burned out on it. I, I, I keep thinking like, maybe I'll start doing it again. But then I was like, is this, is this kind of like cheesy to be doing Stand up and I didn't think funny. It was I thought it was really funny only because you were making your kids so angry. Yeah, right. I, I think every parent would have been like, I don't even do stand up and I'm doing that shit. That's an amazing idea. I can just go turn the TV off and then make jokes about how horrible they are at doing the dishes or, you know, whatever. It's just um, it made me laugh a lot. And, uh, you know, when we start doing these projects, right, we think, oh, I'll just do this during the pandemic. But no one knows when it's done. Right. That's yeah. the tricky part. And I've said this a bunch of times, too, but this is my analogy. It's like if you tell me to run a mile, I will run the mile fairly quickly. But if you tell me to just start running and then I'll tell you when to stop when it's time, I am going to walk, probably sit. Right. Because yeah. I don't trust that. I'm not <laughs> I don't want to run out of energy and then just have no idea when the thing's going to end. And that's what this feels like a little bit. How are you doing? Like, how are you staying um, creatively? I'm not. I mean, this podcast, but otherwise, um, you know, I've well, here's one thing I've been doing, which I was walking my dog and I came around the corner and I saw the mailman on my porch and he was reading a postcard of mine. Really? Because on a, on a postcard, it's just out there for the world. Right. So he was reading it. And I thought it was so funny. So I have sent a bunch of my friends postcards from I've, I ordered them off uh, of Amazon from different cities. And then I just send them postcards that'll say things like, uh, listen, I know you have a wife and I know you said you didn't want to leave her, but I need help with this baby. 
And so, you know, and I send them to my my friends that have nice houses and suburbs. And I just think it's so funny to think the mailman's like, what the fuck is this? Definitely. Dude, and then anytime he sees my friend, he'll just be like, oh, yeah, you can uh, take care of those kids, but not the other one, huh? Really cool. <laughs> just start, start. So that's how I've been staying creative. Have know you gotten any feedback that they know it's you? Uh, I have got, well, one one person right away knew it was me because we've had uh i have a friend that when i was younger um i would we'd hide each other's remotes when we were at their house each other's house oh wow so we couldn't turn the tv on and then one day i just took his remote home with me so i knew a he would look for hours and hours and then b he'd give up and he'd have to contact me to ask me where it was and then I would just say, I would like knock it on the phone and be like, you hear that? That's your remote. <laughs> so one, then one time I come home from uh, like Christmas break and I'm going to go to his house. And it was an open door policy when we were younger. So you would walk in and you go right up to their room. His room was on the top floor. So I walk into his house and I'm going up to his room and this guy goes, excuse me. And I go, oh, hey, what's up? I'm just, I'm Sam's buddy. I'm just going to go up to the room. And he goes, I'm sorry. And I go, I know, I, I know it's Christmas. I didn't mean to barge in. I'm just going to hop up to his room quick and say hi. And he goes, Sam who? And I go, uh, what? Sam. And then I, and then I said the last name and they go, they moved next door. And so he totally, I called him. They had the same number and he goes, yeah, come over. I'm up in my room. So he completely burned me. So we've been doing that kind of shit to each other for years and i thought it'd be really funny he kept a move away from you yeah he kept a move just so i would just so i would have to break like b and e i spend <laughs> christmas in jail because of a b and e somehow some guy beats the shit out of you <laughs> yeah i just walk over with my eye hanging out of its socket merry christmas sam good burn can't <laughs> wait till this postcard thing gets you a divorce you piece of shit who the hell moves next door can you imagine well his his mom <laughs> His mom put all this work into figuring out how to redesign a home because she wanted to lift the house next door and be able to see the lake, have a view of the lake that was down the hill. And so it made sense in that way. And plus the move, that would be awesome. It's like, oh, do you have movers? Nope. We're just right right there. (laughs) We're just going down the sidewalk and then right up those stairs. We just need a change of scenery. Yeah. Also, I haven't, I don't know if you can tell, I haven't showered. My hair is disheveled. I know people can't see it, but I wanted to, uh, I don't know what's going to happen after the pandemic. I don't know how I'm going to feel. I don't know what I'm going to be into. So I just wanted to give you a view of what would happen if we woke up one morning together. This is, (laughs) now you know. So there won't be any surprises. I've pictured it. (laughs) This is, this is fantastic. I wanted to ask you this, if you don't mind. Are you talking about anything that you were talking about before this? When you're out there on stage, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause I'm going to record an album. I'm going to record the hour I was doing before. Cause I just, I, I, it would break my heart to throw it all away. Were you pretty close to your, did you have, I was going to, I was going to record in April. Oh man. And then March, uh, everything shut down. So, um, I've just kind of been sitting on it last night was my eighth. I worked in Fargo, North Dakota last night and it was my eighth night since March 11th doing standup unbelievable isn't it and and so it'll be interesting to record this album i mean it is so back and forth i'll i'll remember something and go 
Hey, you guys remember when I was talking about this? Well, here's another punchline that I forgot. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, but I think it's going to be fun. And yeah. hopefully people understand and are patient with the, the album and just know that uh, it's not going to be Footprints on the Moon or Dad Channels. You know, it's just it's going to be I've worked eight nights since uh, March 11th. And this is what you get because I'm sick of these jokes and I need to move on. No, you'll be How right. about you? Um, you know what? I For... In terms of like starting over with new stuff, that timed out well for me. Um, yeah, but I still have a couple of things that I'm, but it's just like, just with everything going on, it's also kind of like crazy. Some stuff doesn't even seem like right relatable. Yeah, I, I know. I, I was listening to my like nine months ago set that I did in March in Spokane. And I was just thinking to myself, no one's going to give a shit. <laughs> Dude, I was no, listening. There's no way. I was listening to a bit that I recorded the first week of March, like at Zany's on the Tuesday, just kind of trying to find something about how we're never home. The whole bit was about like, we're never even at our house. <laughs> we don't, we don't even like, what was I saying? You made dinner, like just about making dinner. And, and then it's like, okay, different, <laughs> different planet now. It sure is. Yeah, people are like, we don't care if your daughter failed her driver's test. People are dying. Please exactly. at least mention it. Quit dancing around it. Yeah. Yeah, no, right. absolutely. Well, listen, I everybody knows I always ask the guests for a list of stories. I read yours. I'm very excited. Everyone also knows that I can't get enough of radio DJ voice. Um, I've heard so the radio gonna, DJ voice. I'm excited about this. Well, you shouldn't be. All right, so here we go. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Pat McGann, and of course, you know. Hey, everybody, it's Alt-Rock. We got Antelope in the AM. How's it going? Another Monday fun day. We got Pat McGann in the hot seat, everybody. That was uh, Jane's Addiction, Ben Cott Steel. And that reminds me of Jason Giambi falling down during a wild pitch. Still got tagged out. What a fat piece of shit. Hey, Pat, <laughs> I, got a, uh, I got a feeling you have a story about cross country or a meet or something. Let me know about that. Hey, uh, thanks, Antelope. Thanks for having me, man. This is My awesome. <laughs> you didn't shower today, did you? Ah, no, I just wanted to let you know what I'd look like if we woke up in the morning together. Uh, you know what I mean? In the AM. Hung over from a roofie. Yeah, here's the cross-country story. This is, um, this is a, a high school story in the early 90s. I was... Um, God, you're old. Yeah, right? I'm kidding. That's when I was in high school. This is when you're like, you run cross-country? What do we... You soft? I mean, you don't even want to say what they're <laughs> You pussy? You run across oh, country? I was absolutely. sold on it because it was like conditioning for basketball. It's like get, kind of getting shaped for, for hoops. Well, people are such pricks in high school. I mean, you know, you talk about people getting teased for being in choir or being in plays. And cross country was another one. Yeah. It's just like, oh, you, oh all you do is run. Right. What are you, gay? And it's like, <laughs> this is the only sport without balls. How are you possibly calling me gay? I, know. I don't get it. And like what you know now, it's like so good for you. Healthy. Just to Absolutely. be out there. You're, you're, you're outside. On a golf course you're outside running, getting fresh yeah, air. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's making fun of it. What are you doing? You running? 
So you're I, outside. <laughs> I go to I go home after school every day, and I shine my dad's Confederate flag belt <laughs> buckle. You understand? So cool it. What, you go in the forest preserve? What, are you back into the spot? <laughs> what are you running towards? Dicks? <laughs> yeah, that, so I'm on cross country. And it's like, get involved. Like freshman year, it's the first season. It's me, people. And I'm, it's like me and my, my buddies. Like this crew that, uh, that I grew up with. So we sign up and we're at a meet. And then the, the, like the starter pistol is on the table. Now, we were not, like, the worst kids, but we could be punks. Sure. And um, a lot of times I would, like, I would oftentimes float ideas. They would not be executed or we just, you know, I'd be joking, right? Like, you know, right. that whole, like, what if? And I'm like, what if we took that, uh, what if we took that gun? Like, that, you know, my buddy, like, bit on it immediately. He was like, we have to have the starter pistol. So... <laughs> <laughs> We're 13 years old, you know, it's just not a good idea. So he takes it, puts it in his bag. They realize it's gone. This is like a meet. There's a bunch Wait a of minute. races. You were 13 as a freshman? Were you Doogie Hauser? Right. As a freshman in high school? Aren't you? I, yeah, you're I 13, think right? So. I think you got to be 15 because don't you get your license and as a sophomore? Oh, maybe I was 14. So wait, listen, I graduated and I'm not a fact checker. I don't know why I interrupted you, but I was just, I really was thinking if you were a freshman at 13, you're right. I was 14, 14 or 15. Then, then I mean, you're obviously a smart kid. Yeah. So taking a starter <laughs> pistol makes sense. Well, let me think. Yes. I, I, I delivered a baby at the mall when I was eight. <laughs> so they bumped you up a grade. You had the doogie life with your buddy just showing up in his house, just <laughs> climbing through the window. <laughs> You're not a strong reader, Pat, but we did love how you delivered that baby. So we're going to bump you up to ninth grade. I was visiting my sister at Dayton in college. And I was like, a, and it was the same time. I was like, she, she was a freshman when I was a freshman in high school. And I got hammered at one of the parties and they were chanting Doogie. When I was... <laughs> hey, everybody, Antelope in the AM. That's a bonus story. That's not on the list. That's a sideline. Doogie, Doogie. So anyway, my buddy steals a gun. They announce it. They're looking for it. Our coach is like, no one has the gun, right? I mean, there's 50 schools there. My buddy stashes it under the bus. We got to drive like a half hour back to school. <laughs> he stashes it under the bus. We're looking out the window the whole way there. We get back to the school. Football is practicing. It's like Saturday afternoon. Coaches, you know, it's, a, it's not like dead. It's, it's fairly active where we are. He takes the gun out in like the hallway of the school and cocks Oof. it. And he's like, guys, look at this. And cocks it, thinking that he can, like, release it back. It goes off <laughs> in the school. <laughs> and even to this day, it's, like, the most, like, scared and exhilarating. You know that feeling when you're, like, almost paralyzed by it? And you're laughing yeah. so hard, but you're scared as shit. Like, we're fucking dead. Like, we it's, are it, dead. Yeah. It's almost like... When you throw the egg at a car and it hits the windshield and then you see brake lights, oh. you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. But <laughs> also why you do it to right. get that. So, um, yeah, it was just not a good. So he t- we, we all scattered different scenes. And he ran into, <laughs> he ran into like the arms of like the senior cross-country runner. Like this is our freshman year. We are 
not aware of it yet, but we're not cross-country material. We're going to fall off. No one's going to make it past sophomore year. This kid's a <laughs> senior and is saving the day. Like, I found the gun. Like, he solved the whole – and he walked my buddy, like, right to the coach. And my buddy did not rat us out, though. Did not rat us oh, out. Oh, that's nice. But he got um, – he got – he's talking about, like, not getting into trouble for – or white privilege, right? They had a, his brother went there. He was a legacy. You don't even think he got suspended. Bat, bat, bat. Just like everyone's scattering tension, and they're like, "Hold! It's look at his skin. It's a starter pistol." Right. We've never had a gun in a school before. We we're just we don't know how to react. I mean, that was before you know you would put a gun in a school. Absolutely, and and I don't know that you know this, but. Isaac was in cross country and when you want a pussy when you <laughs> <laughs> running towards dick when uh, when he signed up when your kid signs up for cross country what you're essentially doing is signing your parents up to also exercise because there are <laughs> basically three watching areas on a golf course or wherever the meet is and then you have to haul ass to the next one so you can wave at your kid oh, again man. and encourage them. And so I'm like running up and down hills. I'm like, who the fuck is in cross country here? <laughs> I didn't know if there was going to be a secret parent prize. So yeah. I was always trying to outrun everyone else. At the end of it, I just started wearing exercise clothing to the meets. I started in jeans and I'm like, no way. That's awesome that you go. I don't, I don't remember my parents going. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, great. Well, and that's, that's hilarious, though. you got to hustle to each spot just so, so they see you. Yeah, because then if you don't get to the spot, they're like, would you leave? And it's like, I just couldn't run that fast. You right. guys are training daily, yeah. and I have to keep up with you, basically. Even though I get to take a shortcut, there were times I missed him. Right. Oh, that's great. Oh, my God. That's so funny, though, taking a pistol. Man, we got in so much trouble. I remember we had a bottle rocket war. Oh, in a in a big field and there were there were hay, hay bales there were physical hay bales and um it started on fire and they call, they had to call the fire department and we thought the whole field was gonna because it was so dry and we felt like shit and then we we're just like the little standby me kids just way off exactly. in the distance watching the fire get put out but why is that that like that was always right around the corner or about to come into play Something violent or fire or something that like, you know, I remember playing with matches or all this shit. Did you see this um, documentary Class Action Park on, uh-uh. on HBO? Uh-uh. Dude, you got to check this out. It's this water park in right outside of New York City. And it's like run by teenagers. And what? There's I'm like writing it down. Class, class action. action Park. Check it out. But it's kind of like that's... There was like no rules. Everyone was just out, you know, we would walk the, the tracks here in, in our neighborhood and, you know, just go throw yeah. rocks at stuff. Like, Oh, just, absolutely. And if something would break, it was almost like deer when they hear a noise. All the kids would just look over and be like, all right, we're doing that. And it was attack mode. Right. <laughs> until you broke every single thing that would make a noise. We used to do that shit. We used to ride bikes and go over ramps. And there was one where we would try to do a full backflip. And I remember kids would just land on their back and have to lay there for two full minutes because they knocked the wind out of themselves. 
And adults, adults were watching and no one gave a shit. No one ever came in and said, you got, you boys need a helmet. You boys need to stop doing this. I mean, it's just, when you see someone our age in a wheelchair, you're like, yeah, I fucking, I know exactly how that happened. Right. Yeah. No you either kidding. fell, you either fell off a retaining wall running from egging a car. Snowmobile. Or you tried to do a bike trick. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's so ridiculous. Uh, hey everybody, we're back. Uh, we are back. That was Allison Chain's Man in the Box. Could have named that song Mime. Hey, everybody, it's Antelope in the AM. Monday, fun day. We got Pat McGann in the hot seat. Hey, Pat, uh, I got to tell you, you ran onto a field one time, something during a halftime show. Is that right? I'm, I'm getting a vibe here. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, this is a, uh, a which I, I realize now was a early sign of how much I wanted attention, but I was, was – um, I think a sophomore at Dayton. So 14. It was homecoming. <laughs> I was 14. I <laughs> was uh, for 14 taking advanced classes. It was homecoming weekend at UD and the, and Dayton's football stadium is like, you know, there are nicer high school stadiums. I mean, they have a great football program, <laughs> but the stadium is not really all that, but they have a great following and, and good support. And they have a really good team. So we were there. My sister was in town. Like my other sister was at Dayton as well. And then all my buddies, you know, we're just getting after it. And and day game, halftime show starts. And I'm like, I decide I'm going to go out there and, you know, mimic the dancers and do whatever they're doing. And just made a complete ass of myself, but <laughs> got a ton of attention and a, and a, and a lot of laughs. Like it's had the crowd going, but then, like, I remember in the sideline, there was, like, this woman just, like, get that, like, screaming at me. And then you see, like, the public safety, like, the UD police kind of starting to circle. And so well, I always, just... That's always fun. <laughs> I jet. I just bolt, have to leave, and I and I kind of get away with it. And then, like, that night, you know, I think I'm like, oh, God, this is... Well, I'm not realizing that I, like, you know ruined this uh moment for the band <laughs> at that time the band wasn't as considered as so i went to um i was in class with one of these kids who was in band and he's like hey we have that halftime show on tape if you want it um <laughs> Well, I didn't realize this is bait. And I'm like, fuck, yeah, I want that. Like, imagine that, popping that in with my buddies. Like, Admission of guilt. Admission <laughs> of at, guilt. Back at the house. So I walk in and, um, to meet the, the band and leader or teacher, whoever, whoever had the tape. And I got quite a, um, quite a lashing, quite a talking to. <laughs> I, did not leave, I did not leave with the tape. <laughs> I just can imagine a, a, a college band interrogating people. So you're like, your, your hands are tied behind your back with violin string. And instead of a, a, like a Dunlap, a, a sack, right? It's, it's a tuba over your head. And then they waterboard you with the spit valves on all their trumpets. <laughs> You're just like, okay, it was me. Fucking gross. 
wiping their reeds on me. <laughs> so nasty. Dude, just picture this. This woman's yelling at me, and I'm just staring at her lamp, which was a saxophone. It was like full size <laughs> saxophone. Ooh, fresh and and must like, be Italian. <laughs> if I just get the hell out of this meeting. She didn't turn me in, though. I thought she was going to turn me like up, up the ladder to the authorities. But Oh, that's nice. I've seen people do that before, right, where they run out and they're doing everything that the band is doing. They're trying to do the moves and stuff. It reminds me of um, Amy Schumer when she's doing the dance in uh, Trainwreck. Oh, yes. At, yeah. at the end. Yeah. And it's just it, it's funny because everyone's watching you. Right. Every single person in the crowd is like, look at him. He's intoxicated. This is awesome. And the band people, the only people that are mad are like, we fucking worked on this for a month and he's just improvising the moves. So you sound like the band teacher. That was (laughs) she mentioned that she mentioned like their grandparents coming to visit and people, you know, coming into town and how hard they worked in us like, cool. Absolutely. I know exactly. I know exactly what she said to you because uh, Hey Bales let her into the Zoom room. We have her here. Hey everybody, it's Antelope in the morning. We got a uh, we got a hot love seat this morning on a Monday fun day. We got band coach. I don't even know what they're called. Band leader. Um, I just uh, told her. I said actually, I've gotten great feedback on it, and a lot of people that don't normally watch your <laughs> halftime show seemed fully engaged. I'm not a big uh, body function comedian guy, but I do think if you would have walked out and had to fart at that moment and just went <laughs> trumpet and <laughs> peaced out and then went back and stole her saxophone lamp, this is a whole other thing. I'm talking to you from jail all of a sudden. Yeah. We never have the story in Montreal because you can't cross a border. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm going to give people a break from Antelope in the AM, but uh, can you, I mean, I I have your list, but I I am interested in this because it says taking an improv class and I have seen it go both ways, right? I've seen people in improv, I've seen them try comedy and I've seen comedians try improv and it doesn't always translate. I mean, if you want to look at someone who can do both, who's fantastic at both i think rory scovel is, is great example yeah one of the best that can do stand up i mean if you look at like um if you look at swartzen on reno 911 nick swartzen yeah it's one of the funniest characters in my opinion that's ever been on television so, and so funny. it is uh it's a it's a different thing but i but then i think if you take the improv class it helps you kind of become that and, and flex your comedy muscle a little differently when you're on stage. So did you take this class before stand-up or while you were doing it? So it was while I was doing it. And okay. um, it was part of an acting class. So I was trying to go through this on-camera acting class. And I did like the first level, which was eight weeks or something. And sure. then I started the second level and it was an improv theme for that level and i was just you talk about clam up <laughs> like i just am not and i think that's why i would like started stand up late and never really um you know i'm not like you talk about bodily funny like i'm not physical sure. or 
Sure. Not throwing my body around. But, but you but do want to like you want to like grow in that way, right? You do want to have oh, yeah, a little bit of, of that for sure. Of course, you want to be able to. You want to have the biggest bag in which to pull from. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds like a weird sex thing, but I'm being serious. Like you want to have a, a huge toolbox, right? I keep walking into this, but um, what I know about your standup is when it's written and when it's performed and delivered, jokes are amazing. Your rebuttal to hecklers is is top tier. I mean, so I'm I'm surprised that you clammed up in this class because I've seen you go after hecklers and be respectful, but also you're sitting in the back of the room as a comic, just going like, Jesus Christ, this is a really great. So oh, when you say you dude. clammed up in class, oh yeah, because it's just like it's just so different to me. When someone has you like, um, I still remember they were like, you you had to be like two things, and I like got in the front of everyone, like twelve people, sure, and they're like, you're a dinosaur and a ballerina, and then I had to be, and I was just like, no, I'm not, like I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> not. Well, do you remember? Do you remember what you picked? What dinosaur? Um. T-Rex. I think I just shortened my arm and like twirled and then I was like, get me the fuck out of here. Like, can't do this. <laughs> oh yeah, man. It's, it's, it's different. Cause when you're doing standup and it's like, uh, you feel at home on stage. So everything feels more natural. It feels like it's a strength. And then you go do an improv class and you're in there with people some people that have taken improv classes before. Yeah. So are you comfortable like, in those? No, I feel like I feel like I walk in there and I go, um, "Oh, it's a this is a pogo stick class." Well, I can jump. I'm pretty good at jumping, and then I can do the pogo stick for a little bit. But then you know, someone in there like has the record, and they're just like hopping alongside, and you know they're going to be no matter what you do. Right. They're either going to judge you because you're doing it well right so they're gonna be like oh this guy just shows up and all of a sudden he's the captain of the team or they're you're gonna fuck up and they're gonna never forget it and be like look at this piece of shit go back to stand up nerd that kind of stuff. yeah but i think it's like well when you're when you stand up you're you are yourself you're being yourself and then this whole thing they want you to be something else and you're trying so hard to be like the truest form of yourself in stand up so then they're like pivot to ballerina know, plus ballerina dinosaur. dinosaur like <laughs> that doesn't but I do think it does bring layers of comfort and you know if you ever like um had to go into an audition like that's a terrible feeling for me like I hate that feeling and yeah I'm I'm not good at it and 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 I'm not blaming this I'm, I'm not making an excuse but i just think that i'm not good with other people's words i don't know how they meant them yeah and i have a i have a huge disconnect there when i'm reading a script i'm just robotic right you watch um i sit kind of, let's say friends for example since i think that's a popular one and you see how the lines are delivered it's incredible i would never think to deliver lines like that yeah right i, I would just be like Hey, Rachel, can, can I get some coffee? You know, and then Chandler says it, and it's the funniest thing you've ever heard. 
<laughs> and I'm just re- basically like, are you reading something? <laughs> no, this is how I talk. I'm horrible at auditions. Except one time I said, uh, <laughs> I said I was in an audition and they told me that I was the worst person they'd seen that day. <laughs> Why do they tell you that? <laughs> I don't know. The one lady was nice and she goes, have you read the rest of the script? And I was like, no, I just got the sides. And they're like, oh, yeah. So um, your attitude about this is completely wrong. <laughs> and then I got, and then here's what happens. And I know this about myself. When I get embarrassed, I, it turns to anger pretty quickly. And it turns to I'm going to flip it and I'm going to embarrass you because if I'm going to be embarrassed, I'm not going to be the only embarrassed person in this room. So I, um, you know, they were like, oh, your, your attitude is all wrong about this. And I was like, your attitude about me being in here is all wrong. You want me to read the whole script? Give me the whole goddamn script. And then the guy goes, listen, honestly, you're the worst person we've seen today. <laughs> And I said, right now, there's a woman in Ohio telling her friend she fucked a Minnesota Viking. I'm 5'10 and not athletic looking. You tell me I'm a bad actor. And then I left. And no, then, he's like, no, we didn't say worst actor. He said worst person. You're the worst person we've seen in here. <laughs> we, we heard about you lying about being a Viking, you piece of shit. I you mean, have no morals. What the... I, I First of all, I could tell you... Um, maybe are more self-aware than a lot of people. It's nice that you realize that about yourself that you, that I'm horrible when, when you're embarrassed, you lash out. Cause I do the same thing. It's like, Oh, I, I absolutely. I do. I mean, I know that my, my anger never starts as anger. It starts from, I feel, uh, I feel like I've been had right. And so that kind of forms into embarrassment and that forms into anger or sometimes sadness turns into anger for me. Well, I love what you said to her. It's like, that sounded to me like, yeah, that's, that's what, how you're supposed to handle that situation. You're talking to me? You're going to say that to me? And they, they, they like, do we have to call the police? I'm like, that's not, did, have you read the script? That's not even in the script. I'm still in character, and here you are calling the police. So yeah, now who's the worst? Hey, everybody, that was uh, Nirvana Heart-Shaped Box just in time for Valentine's Day. Hey, yeah, it's antelope in the AM. <laughs> Sounds like a moose, but I don't know how to do an antelope, and moose was taken, am I right? Hey, everybody, we got Pat McGann in the hot seat. It's a Monday fun day. And, uh, hey, if you could tell me uh, about a Frosted Flakes. You ever had that? You ever seen a commercial? And Can you combine those two or anything? So this pairs well with the auditioning because I – because I'm not good at it, I did book something because I had um, a little girl with me. I was paired with a it's a father daughter situation. It's a Frosted Flakes commercial. Not your daughter. A, not my a daughter. Random, just a, a random. Just an actress. Okay. okay. Ch- child actress. Okay. Young actress. So we go into the audition and she's just like really good, and they are nice. just really complimentary of her. Like great choices. Wow, nice. Like she was. And I'm like <laughs> riding her coattails. And it was um, ended up being a great booking because it was a Frosted Flakes national commercial. Like with Tony the Tiger, we come in like downstairs. Well, I, remember, yeah, I remember seeing it but because I, I, uh, it was fantastic. I even texted you right after. Yeah, I mean, I totally lucked out. This, this girl basically got me the gig. So it's the only thing I've really ever booked. <laughs> like... <laughs> want to find out, find out what else she's doing. 
Do you well, have any other like, auditions? So... Can I come? Do you need a daddy? <laughs> Can I be your dad now? <laughs> hey, do you want to have a play date with my kids? Come on over. Let's let's form a bond. When you said uh, she made great choices, they were saying that. That that's that's the thing about acting. You have you walk in and you see people have scribbled and drawn things, and I mean they're taking notes on the sides. And I know that's what you're supposed to do. I've never taken an acting class, so I go in. My sheet looks like I just got it, like it's hot off the press. Right. No notes, and they're like, uh, "Do you think you could make another choice?" I'm like, "Yeah, like not being here. That's my favorite <laughs> choice I've ever made. Is leaving." <laughs> And then but they're that's, like, that's fantastic. <laughs> then they add, like, you don't have your headshot? No. And then, then you're like, well, I do have a gig on this date. Should I tell them there's a conflict? And there's like a million things going on in your head. Like, do I really, I want this, but it's, is it going to, it's just an awful feeling. But you get the yeah. opportunity to audition. You're like, I got to do it. Yeah. And I, and I think that um, that's just so amazing that you were in there. And I mean, what? How many lines did you have? Tell everybody how many lines you had. I think had. I had like two lines. And how many did she have? She didn't have any. It was all just like, you know, voiceover and Tony. And and any, responding to what you're saying, right? Like facially and stuff? Yeah. And, even the, and then that, like at the shoot, I was screwing it up. I think they, they almost, <laughs> they said they were trying to pull up the tape, the, the audition to remind me of what I did. <laughs> Oh my God, that sucks. That's like when you're golfing and someone goes, hey, why are you moving your arm like that? You weren't doing that yesterday when you were winning. Exactly. But the funny thing is, this thing was shot on location in Chicago and it was at a house in the suburbs. And at the end of the day, the woman who owned the house came in the foyer like, wow, we're doing the, the final scene of the, the day. Mm -hmm. And right away I recognize her and she's like, holy shit. What are you doing? And it is this guy I used to work for him, his his uh, daughter, who's like a family friend. Like his her dad was at my <laughs> wedding, and unbeknownst to me, I was in her house all day shooting this uh, Frosted Place commercial. Oh, that's so fantastic! What are you doing in my house? Oh, uh, panty raid. Yeah. Saw you at the wedding. <laughs> um, uh, that that's great. I'm gonna. I bet you can find that commercial online yeah say tastes like victory tastes like victory t tastes yep. like victory <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know what i thought you made a great choice there i probably did it better there than i ever did <laughs> that, that director's <laughs> like finally um hey man thank you so much for coming on thanks for having me chad great to Absolutely. see you man yeah it's great catching up i mean i know when every time i'd come to chicago we'd uh you know carve out some time to hang out and and I obviously haven't been there in a long time. And there's no reason that's it's weird because when I'm going to hang out with friends, it's when I'm at in their town. Dude, you there's the comic, no reason to come to my town. You're the comic that whenever you go into whatever city, every comic is going to come see you if they're at home. And the staff is like geared up. That's why I, I, sometimes I'm like, can I work the week after Chad? Because <laughs> they're all gassed after that. People are going to hate you for saying that because no one <laughs> likes when I get complimented. I mean, if you want to win the, the listeners over, you should probably uh, talk about how you miss Cy. No, I mean, of course Sons I miss Cy. I did the Great American Comedy Festival. That's where I met Cy. hope he's uh, doing a lot better. But, dude, I um, was flattered that you invited me because you're like 
you're the guy that we've always, uh, you know, looked up to. Yeah, I think I think when I hear that kind of stuff, it makes me think I should die soon so I don't <laughs> I don't slide too far down. You know, when you're like buying a stock, and you're like, ooh. I got in and then it and then it crested and then I kept it and it fell all the way back down to lower than when we bought it. Damn it! So I'm gonna have to like uh, slip and fall outside and and not be able to move and freeze a little bit maybe. But it doesn't. Uh, maybe I'll try to flip my bike. I don't know. Yeah, man. I just hope it, this will be a good year if we have a night where me, you, and Bozeman are together. Oh, absolutely. Someplace if we can absolutely. salvage that. Fantastic. Well, listen. Thanks for coming on and, and saving Cronin's ass. <laughs> and uh, I, me? Love, lo- I love catching up with you. That's what's been cool about this for me. And I know I've said this before, but when Cy's gone, obviously I want him to heal and feel better. But it has been nice to just catch up and be able to do this. So I uh, really appreciate your time. And uh, I got to go. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in. And thanks for having thick skin about my fake Cy rants. I appreciate it. Hey, everybody. This is Cy. And I just wanted to say you need to get off Chad's back a little bit. I mean, please stay off my back because it hurts. But please stay off Chad's back, too. I mean, he's just trying to do the best he can. And he's not really mad at me. We talk every day about trading stocks and stuff. It's really great. So anyways, I'm going to be back soon. And I love you guys so much. And I love you, too, Chad. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. But uh, uh, you were just listening to Pat McGann again. uh, You know, people say like, oh, you compliment your guests too much. I got to tell you something. It's because I'm getting the guests that I want to talk to and that I think are great. So I'm going to have to compliment them. And it's not my fault they compliment me back. I mean, I've put them on the spot. They probably feel like they have to. And I kind of like doing that now. But anyways, just to let you know, Uh, Pat McGann has a great podcast called All Over the Place. His co-host, Jim Flanagan, also fantastic. Uh, He has an album called Sounds Good from 2015. And his brand new special, it's on Amazon or Peacock. You can actually just listen to it on Spotify or Pandora. Or you can buy the album on Apple Music, blah, blah, blah. It's called When's Mom Gonna Be Home? And it's lights out funny. I mean, it, it is so fantastic. I really think that uh, he's great. Hey, if you guys like this, uh, there will be a new episode next Monday and every single Monday at 8 a.m. So click the subscribe button so your phone sends it to you without having to do any work.